0: If you turn your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, nothing like the book of Proverbs. If you're not a Proverbs person, I hope you get addicted to it. Expose your heart regularly to the book of Proverbs. It was written by a young man when he was on fire for God. And um, he starts off in verses 1 to 4 explaining why he wrote the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. He collected these little quotes, these little tweets. They're little tweets. He made them. He, he meditated on big concepts and boiled it down to a little tiny tweet of their day. He wrote it out, these little quotes. And there's no real order. It's just they're all kind of scattered, and that's on purpose. But part of the reason that he wrote it, he says, is to give young men discretion it's a word you don't hear very often. Discretion basically means a plan. So that if this happens, this is what I will do. And so it's, a, it's predetermining a reaction. If this ever happens, this is what I'll do. And he suggests all through the book of Proverbs, things that you can do in business, that you can do in, in, with conflict, relationships, uh, broken relationships, what you can do in your marriage, what you can do in, in, in life. And, and he says, now, discretion will preserve you. It'll keep you. Discretion is a valuable, valuable tool. So, like, for example, one piece of discretion that he wrote, he said, if a prostitute's walking down one side of the street, you automatically cross over and get on the other side of the street and divert your eyes away from her. That's, that's a plan that says, if any, I'm in some place and I see a, a, a wayward woman walking down the street or a loosely dressed woman walking, this is what I'm going to do. And you decide, you decide now, not in the moment, not in the moment. You decide, you pre-decide, this is the way I'm going to be. And you can do it about your business. You can do it about gossip. You can say, if I hear gossip, this is, my, this is what my reaction is going to be. You can pre-decide a lot of things, and that's the word discretion. Actually, the word discretion is, is unusual. It's, it's a kind of a neutral word. It's, not, it's neither positive nor negative. So, uh, uh, for example, um, if you were to take discretion in a negative way, it would be a plan to sin. See, people just don't fall into sin. None of us just fall into sin. That never happens. You have to have a plan. You have to think, well, if if this happens, this is what I'll do, and I'll prepare for this. And next thing you know, sin comes your way, and you take the opportunity, but you've planned it in your heart. It's, it's like a scheme. Uh, it's, it's interesting uh, when I see people get caught in adultery or caught in different kinds of sin, the, the elaborate lengths that they went to to get into that sin is, is always astonishing to me, and that's discretion in a negative. It's called indiscretion. it's all through our culture. We just don't hear about it very much. This week in the news is all about our governor and his indiscretions. Things, he says that he didn't do anything, but he, what he did was enough that very likely he'll not be able to keep his job. Plus his name, it, he's in the news, every newspaper, every, every gossip column. I mean, who'd want that? Talk about Shame. Talk about ruining your life. You need to have a plan. You need to decide now a lot of things. You can decide, for example, if um, someone comes to you and they want to give you a piece of juicy gossip, and you decide how you're going to respond today, In the eventuality that someone comes and they want to bring you in on that, that's going to wreck your life. That's going to probably wreck that relationship. If you go down that road, you think it through and you realize, okay, if I know this about them, how can I ever look at them the same? How can I I ever relate to them the same? That's going to end my relationship. There's a proverb that talks about those little morsels that ruin friendships. So you have to decide on the front end. I'm going to stop them before they get any further in that. And I'm going to say, listen, uh, what did they say when you talked to them about this to their face? And they said, well, I didn't talk. Well, you need to. And so you come up with a a response. I remember one one mother uh, was just always talking about the pastor, always talking about church, always negative, always critical. And, and the, the daughters, it was just wearing her down. She said, how do I deal with this? I just, I, I, I can't take it anymore. And I said, well, just look at her and tell her, mom, stop right there. I'm on a negativity fast. I'm fasting all negativity. I can't take this right now because I'm on a fast. And just stay on that fast. Having discretion will save you a lot of grief. Having discretion is rarely convenient. You have to come up with a plan. And say, okay, well, you know, I have a babysitter, and I'm going to someone's going to have to take the babysitter home. Uh, it's either my wife and I, or someone. We're going to have to figure this out. There's going to be an extra work, maybe even an extra expense. Discretion is rarely convenient. You have to decide. For example, if you decide party discretion is, I'm not going to be alone with a member of the opposite sex. I'm not, going to be put my, I'm not going to put myself in that position. Well, that's going to be really inconvenient. That may even cost you some things. But it might spare you great shame. It might spare you that relationship or, or that relationship being ruined or your name being ruined, your good reputation being marred. Billy Graham mastered it. Uh, Billy Graham met with a bunch of men and they said, you know, people don't trust evangelists. They said, well, how come they don't trust them? They sat down and they said, well, the reason they don't trust them is evangelists are, are noted womenizers. They go to a meeting, they come into town and they're attractive and they're bright and they're out there and they are they're, they're, they're put themselves out there. And then the women uh, who are struggling, who have issues... They exploit that, and next thing you know, there's a whole trail. Well, we don't want the evangelists to come to town because we always have to sweep up all kinds of immorality, and then the the shame of that, we're going to have special meetings, we're going to have the evangelists come, and then he said the other thing, they just really poor with money, just total mismanagement, no trust, spending money wisely on things and, you know... uh, posing with grandiose kinds of buildings and cars and that kind of stuff. So Billy Graham listened to this. He says, okay, we're going to prevent ourselves. As far as it is within us, we're going to come up with a plan to prevent all of this. So Billy Graham and his team says, we will never, ever put ourselves in a position where we're alone with a member of the opposite sex, ever. Billy Graham says, it's going to be expensive, but... I want, I want adjoining hotel rooms, and I want my, part, my travel partner in the other room, and the door that's between these two hotel rooms always has to be open. It's a rule. We're deciding now that's how we're going to rent hotel rooms. There has to be an adjoining room, and that adjoining room has to be open. No one could ever say someone visited Billy Graham at night because we could say, no, someone was sleeping right in the other room, and the door was open. That's called Discretion. He wrote it out, they actually wrote it out, a manifesto in Bethesda, California. It's called the Bethesda uh, um, uh, Manifesto. And they said things like, uh, we we won't um, get our photograph beside a very expensive car. We'll always avoid driving in an expensive car. We don't want the people who are uh, donating money to our ministry to think that I'm I'm living uh, a life of luxury. I won't even stand beside a Rolls-Royce in, some, in case someone gets my picture taken and they, it just is implied that I have this Rolls-Royce. So he he come up with all kinds of things. Total inconvenience. Some of it was expensive. Vice President Mike Pence, a couple years ago, a lady newspaper reporter wanted to interview him he said uh, I don't think that's possible under the conditions you're that you're asking I never meet with a member of the opposite sex alone and that became the story and they mocked him he said they said well, where'd you come up with a crazy idea like that in these days he says well Billy Graham wrote a, a manifesto, and I, I, I subscribe to that. I've decided that I'll just never meet with a member of the opposite sex alone. Well, they mocked him. See, uh, a, a, a piece of discretion like that makes you look old-fashioned, makes it look like you're almost guilty already, but you're not. You just, it's not that you don't, well, you shouldn't trust yourself. But we don't trust the devil. We don't trust what can happen if you get put in those situations, and so you decide on the front end that will never happen. I've asked our pastors, we don't counsel members of the opposite sex alone. The door is always ajar, or it's in a public place. That's why we'll meet at Amity, we'll meet at different places, or at the Discipleship House, knowing that there's a flow of traffic going through there all the time. We just always work at that kind of thing. It's never convenient, it's a little bit embarrassing. I remember the first, I mean, uh, someone calls for counseling, and I said, I, I just, I can't do that. I can meet you here, I can meet you there, but, I, and I'll say, we've just made this rule that this is how we live. We just don't counsel people under those conditions it's a little embarrassing saying that but i'll tell you it has saved us it's spared us can you imagine the hurt that that would bring on to our church if 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 any one of us fell into i either i use that language because we're so used to it but falling into sin i mean it would just it would just be such a joy robber of our fellowship one way to prevent that is to have discretion because discretion will preserve you. It will keep you. Understanding will keep you. Making a plan now. For example, it could be anything. It could be um, uh, a, dis- a discretion would say, I never go to Tops grocery shopping when I'm hungry. Because <laughs> you know that cart's going to be filled with stuff that y- you can't eat, shouldn't eat. Wouldn't eat if you're hungry. Make sure you go after dinner. You will just buy a lot less stuff. That's discretion. But there's discretion for every area of life. Discretion for business, how you won't, you won't have two separate scales or, or rates for people you like and people you don't like. There's discretion for everything. But it'll save you. It'll spare you. Viewer discretion advised. They'll put that up on the on the screen before something comes on your television. Well, that's giving you an opportunity to have some discretion. That says, well, I don't watch, I don't watch certain rated TV shows. I don't, I don't watch murder shows. I don't watch. There's certain certain stuff that you don't set before your eyes, and they put that up there to give you a moment's notice to say, do you want to go any further or not? And so the Lord. The Lord does the same things. only it's with the, with the Bible and the book of Proverbs. It doesn't matter at this moment, and I've never taught this sermon before, but, and I, didn't pl- I had it in my notes of things I wanted to teach here, and uh, this week sealed the deal for me because of all the shame on our governor. I don't know what he's thinking and what he's seeing. We should be praying for him, that he find Jesus. But it's a classic example. But it's not just him. I have, I have their guys that I love who have shown, I mean, people in ministry and politics that have shown a lack of discretion, and it, it, it wrecks their lives. When I was a young businessman, I, I had an advertising agency, and uh this one customer was uh uh a really good customer, spent a lot of money, bought bought all kinds of advertising from me. And um uh, nice nice kid. And um I'm a married man with three kids, she's a single single gal. And I went to her business as usual just to do finish out uh, something we've been working on. She said, I've just moved in Uh, In the back of this business, I just created an apartment back there. Do you want to see it? I never thought. I just said, yeah, I like like that kind of thing. And so I went back there, and in just one minute, she started to disrobe, and I was shocked. I wasn't expecting that. It was a complete surprise. I don't know what I said. I can't recall, but I said, hey, I got to go. And I went to leave, and the door was locked behind me. She had locked me in. And so I had to fumble through that whole thing, but I skedaddled. I didn't have a whole lot of discretion built in my life, but I, I knew enough to flee that situation, and, and uh, I was shaken. Uh, I went down, I found a phone booth. Back then, there were no cell phones, if you can imagine. And I called my wife. And I told her, this just happened. I was, I was shaken. It wasn't to confess, I hadn't done anything wrong, but I felt dirty, I felt guilty, I felt, I felt awful. I felt stupid. And I wanted her to know the whole details. I told and she was wonderful, supportive of me, and just, I don't know, we never even talked about it much after that, but just, I appreciated her response. And I called my pastor, that was the second number. I said, this just happened. And I want—I I just wanna to talk to somebody about it. I wanna get it out there. But I never forgot that. We have to flee. We can't put ourselves. And I thought, boy, if I had discretion that I later built into my life, that would never have happened. I would have said, you know, well, I would have invited one of her staff to come with me or said no. I just didn't have it down. And you know the crazy thing about that? This is the part that really made me tremble. I mean, that shook me up. The part that really made me tremble is just weeks, not even a month, from that moment, I ended up going to Bible school and into the ministry. And if I'd given in to anything in that apartment, at thought that day, it would have canceled out my whole future or postponed it. It would have wrecked it. I wouldn't have been able to go into those situations, it would have been a game changer for sure. When people have an issue with me, which is surprising that that ever happens, what they do is they they go to the assistant pastor or someone else, another pastor, because it's too hard to go to the, the person you're having trouble with. I get that. I understand that. I'm such a bully and so mean. But it's not, it's just human nature. I get that. So we have to have some discretion among ourselves that there's some things that we just won't hear. We'll be directing you. said, "No, oh, now, how did he respond when you went to him with that complaint? And they said, well, I didn't go to him with that complaint. Just phrasing it that way helps you to see what they've done. We even have discretion about who we receive coming from other churches. We built in a, a very complicated policy about people coming from other churches speaking about their pastor. We just, we just don't want that to happen. So it's, it's, it's a complicated, inconvenient policy that we have that we, we want to hold to. That's why we'll ask people, what did your pastor say when you told me you wanted to come to Wellspring? And then we find out, by the reaction that they never talked to their pastor. Well, that's not proper. That's, that can't happen. Won't be long. You'll be, you be doing the same thing to us. So we have to have a plan. And it's not, it's not easy. But it's easier than any alternative that we can come up with. We must live with discretion. Discretion, listen now, discretion will keep you. Understanding will preserve you. It'll spare you. It'll spare you grief. It'll spare you heartache. You have to have discretion built into your life. The wonder of Proverbs is it covers probably every detail of life. What to do? He says, you know, if he's, he, there's there's a guy and he's got all these dainty foods out, but he's he's after something. He's he's uh, he's he's not a good man of good character. He said just. You know, put a knife to your throat rather than eat his little dainties. I mean, he has a, he has a proverb for every contingency, every problem, everything you'd ever face. It's profound for that. I was a young guy attending church. I had a problem with the pastor, something he did. So I called the assistant pastor. That's how I know that happens. I told the assistant pastor freely everything I was thinking, and he listened. He said, "Oh, okay, all right." We hung up, and you're not satisfied because that doesn't change anything. There's no satisfaction in it. You think you think you're going to be relieved, but you find out you're not. By the way, there's no issue. I'm not. I'm not preaching anything that just happened this week. So. Can you take the brakes off me a little bit for that? Well, then my phone rang, and I picked it up, and it's the pastor. And he says, "Well, the assistant pastor just called me and said you had some issues with me. What are they?" Um, I my mouth turned to sawdust. Blah 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 blah. blah. He caught me red-handed. Well, then I had to go to that pastor, then go to the assistant pastor. And when I found myself saying, completely surprised me. I said, thanks for doing that. And I, and I really did mean it. Thanks for just not letting that thing slide like that. That was poor character of me t- to do that to you, to put you in that position. But the pastor, the assistant pastor, had a policy that if anyone calls and rants and rails against the pastor, that he would just tell the pastor and the pastor would call him right away. And that happened to me. That's a plan. Uh, do you have discretion building in your life in lots of areas? A predetermined response: If this happens, this is what I'll do. Predetermined response: I go to a hotel. I plug, unplug the tele, uh, the television. First thing: Just unplug that. I'm just not gonna watch television alone in a hotel room. Discretion is not taking your computer, not taking your cell phone to bed. Leaving it out on the kitchen table. Discretion is setting your computer up in a place where there's some traffic. Rather than when you're alone. Discretion is never convenient. And do you have a right to do some things? Like, yeah. But you you could be set up for failure. And you don't want that. Drinking. I never thought, you know, twenty years ago we'd talk about drinking in church. Because most people, most churches, people didn't drink. But today it's very normal for Christians to drink. Probably I everyone here has no real major conscience issue about that. That's a different day. But you're gonna have to have discretion. Discretion would be no martinis, no hard liquor, or liquor that's intended to get me a buzz. All right, I, I drink only with meals. I happen to read a newspaper article of the Archbishop of Canterbury. I don't quote him very often. Anglican, he's the highest level Anglican of the Church of England in the world. And he says, I, I just happened to catch it. He says, I, uh, I never drink when I'm alone. He's my dad was an alcoholic. And I don't have an aversion to wine and beer, but... I never do those things when I'm alone. It's always when there's someone else who can see that... Because then you find out you drink differently when you're alone than you do when you're with other people. There's a a built-in accountability. You can find yourself stopping at one or two very easily with someone else in the room. But when you're alone, there's no accountability. So he put on himself. I thought it was very interesting. He said, I just don't... I I have alcoholism in my past and my back... My background, my dad was an alcoholic, so I've just decided my rule, that's discretion. I just never drink when I'm alone. He put that upon himself. I met a guy who would never eat chocolate. He said the Lord dealt with him about it, and he said, I just have a rule. He said, my wife makes amazing chocolate fudge and brownies. She just is a master of brownies, but for me, to me, it's, it's alcohol. To me, it's a drug. I, I can't do it. And so he's put discretion on himself. You can't tempt him in that area because he pre-decided. You can pre-decide anything. You can pre-decide that you're going to go to camp meeting this coming week and you won't miss the meeting. You can pre-decide that or you can do what a lot of people do is say, well, I'll see how I feel. Well, you probably won't attend because you'll be tired. You have had a busy day. Your work week won't have gone as well as you've liked. And so you say, well, you know, I'll just pass. I'll just stay home. But there's something about when I pre-decide something, it's, it's I, I decide it when I'm feeling a certain way, you know, I'm feeling like I'm excited about it. I, I remember there's this one, one uh, meeting that, that, it's not even my favorite meeting. It's, it's, it's just something I belong to. And so I've decided if I'm in town, When that meeting's on, I'm going. I won't decide in the moment. I'm deciding now that I will attend. Well, lots of times that meeting will come around. I do not want to go. But I've decided that I'm going to go. And it's a game changer. You can pre-decide anything. But you have to build discretion in your life. It'll change things. It'll, it'll make you feel more noble. I remember talking to a young couple who were engaged. And because they are engaged, they relaxed all the boundaries and all the rules that normally would go with dating couples. And next thing you know, things started to go in a different direction. And it, and it come out in a way that spared them a lot. And I said, you know... Uh, It happens to people when they're engaged. They tend to relax, and mom and dad's not so concerned because they're they're about to get married. So things feel differently. I said, "Here's what you want. You want Jesus to attend your wedding, and He does not attend every wedding. But what we see in the Bible is Jesus would attend the wedding, and He would honor the groom." And he would, that's the whole turning of uh, water into wine was a miracle that no one got saved, no one got healed, no one got delivered. It was really just to honor the bridegroom. He must have been an honorable man. I remember sharing that with this young couple, and I just happened to catch this. I went in the auditorium of the sanctuary, and this is in another church, and she was at the altar, and I could hear her crying. And she's saying, Jesus, I want you to attend my wedding. And she was inviting him to attend her wedding. It moved my heart. Man, it just moved my heart. And you and know I have been to enough weddings. You know the ones that have that joy, that sparkle, that sense that, yeah, this is so right. And then we've all been to weddings. that's just kind of a downer. You're All through the wedding, you're thinking about what the food's going to be like because there's no, real, there's no real joy. There's no real magic That's not the best word, but you know what I mean. (laughs) How much discretion do you have? It was written to young people, and the idea is that you build it in when you're in your your youth, and it stays with you. It's an amazing thing that I'll decide something, and I can tell you what I've decided 20, 30 years ago, and it just becomes your go-to. It's just your response. You don't even have to think about it. It's almost like uh, a trained muscle or, or uh, you just, when you get in that situation, you're shocked. Like that, that woman in that, in that apartment just the beginning to roped. I was shocked. But something kicked in that was beyond my just thinking. I didn't think about it. I just had a reaction. And I think that's what discretion will do for us is that we, we say, this is, that was, that's what I do. In fact, I remember I had a pastor one time, a different pastor, and he was being accused of saying something. And he said, you know, that doesn't sound like me. I could not have said that, you know, because there's things that you decide now that you'll never say. You decide now how you conduct yourself. That's discretion. He listened. and He said, you know, that just doesn't sound like me. I never forgot that, that, that we could say, I, I know, I know me, but not just what I've done, but I also know what I've decided to do. And it just doesn't sound like me. It's just helpful. It's a very odd sermon to give. I had planned on doing it. I think we should hear it. I think we need it these days. We need discretion across the board in our lives Our culture, our society is lacking in discretion. It make, it's going to make you, when you have a, a plan and you say, no, I have a policy, you're going to look old-fashioned. You're going to look like the odd man out. You're going to look like a goofball. But you won't have to go through what Cuomo's going through this week. You won't have to take your family through that. He's got daughters. You want to take people through that because you'll be, discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you. Amen? Let's stand together. Be good for you to decide now. I'm going to read the book of Proverbs for my business for my family, for my life, my personal conduct. There's so much in there. Let's do this. If during this sermon your mind went to things that where you didn't, you don't feel good about what you did or maybe you didn't have a very good policy in place, let's draw a line today and everything that's happened before today, let's put that under the blood of Jesus. Just say, Lord, I, I should have had a plan. But from today forward, why don't we begin thinking and meditating and exposing our heart to policies that spare our church and spare our families and our friendships, our own hearts, shame, heart, heartache. Let's decide how we're going to live, regardless what the weather's like, regardless what you feel like in the moment. Father, thank you for your word. It's a lamp unto our feet. Without it, we would not know where we're going. Your word is matchless. Your word is wonderful. Help us, Father. Help us to walk in the light of it. Teach us to walk in your ways. You'd spare our hearts so much grief, so much sorrow, so much heartache. Father, thank you for this noble people that standing before me. I'm asking, Lord, that you clothe us with discretion. Help our pastoral team to renew their desire to walk with discretion. God, show us. Show us how to walk as we ought. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Proverbs chapter one. This is a special book of the Bible. It was written by Solomon when he was on fire, and uh, he explains right off the bat, the first four chapter, first four verses, why he wrote the book. He says that he wanted uh, to, for us to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive words of understanding to receive instruction of wisdom or correction of wisdom, justice, ju- judgment, inequity, to give prudence to the simple and to the young man knowledge and discretion. Discretion is not a word that you hear a lot of these days. And um, I, I don't have an issue uh, that causes me to teach this. It was a, a list of things that I thought it would be good for us to hear. be good for us to teach. I felt like the Lord was putting this on my heart, so I'm not shooting at a particular issue. But I'd like to talk this morning about discretion. Discretion essentially means having a plan. That you decide now what you will do in the event something happens. And, and we need discretion. And one of the promises, the great promises in Proverbs is that discretion will preserve you. It will keep you. It'll save you, and uh, we, we need discretion these days, and there's very little of it in our culture, our society, and uh, <clears throat> we need discretion. Discretion applies to all kinds of areas of life, and when you read the book of Proverbs, he's saying, when this happens to you in business, you decide now, this is how I'm gonna act, this is how I'm gonna respond in business. And he, he talks about quite a few things concerning business. He says, if someone comes up to you and they're gossiping, he says, here's how you respond. You decide now. If someone tries to bring me into their gossip, this is how I'm going to respond in the event that that happens. He said, for example, he said, um, uh, if a prostitute's walking down the sidewalk, walking down the road toward you, and you see her coming, a loose woman, dressed inappropriately, and she's walking your way. He said, what you do is you decide now, not in the moment, you decide now that you're going to cross the street. You're going to get out of her way. You're going to cross the street. That's discretion. It's having a plan. And it's not necessarily just a positive thing. It could be a, a negative thing. People, people don't just fall into sin. Nobody just falls into sin. You have to plan you have to prepare to sin. You have to set everything up. It's amazing when I read stories of people who are caught in, in some kind of adultery or some kind of sin, all the planning that went into getting them into that position, all the planning, all the effort, the scheming, and that's, that's a negative word for discretion. Coming up with a plan to sin. But if you can plan to sin... You can plan not to sin. You can have a plan that says, if something, if this is what's going to happen, if I ever run into a situation like this, this is how I'm going to respond. And you decide now, as a young person, especially in your youth, you decide. But discretion will preserve you. Proverbs 2, verse 1. It's preserved me. It's preserved us. Uh, as a pastoral team, we've we've decided on the front end that that uh, we would not counsel members of the opposite sex in private. That the, the, somehow we'd figure out it's never convenient, but we'd always figure out that the door would always be open, or we'd do it in a high traffic area, in a in a place where the people are free to come and go, so that you're never caught alone, because that's where sin can take place. And so we've decided many times that. Uh, And you have to recommit to it. And it's embarrassing sometimes, your discretion, when you tell someone what your discretion is. Sometimes they don't get it. Sometimes it makes you look like you're an old-fashioned fool for having that kind of policy built in. I remember uh, Vice President Mike Pence. who's a godly man. A reporter came to him and wanted to do an interview, and he said, well, I'll give you the interview, but I don't meet with members of the opposite sex in private, and that became the story. She, she went public with that and said, "What an old fool that he would he would not meet with me in private." He said, "No, I don't. My, my wife has to be there. There has to be other other people there. I don't meet with a member of the opposite sex in private." And people said, "What a crazy notion! Where'd you ever get a notion like that?" And he said, "Billy Graham." Well, Billy Graham, back in the 1960s, got together with his team, and they they said they would just they talked about, it, and they said evangelists have the worst reputation of all the people in the church. When you hear about an evangelist, you think, yeah, he's an evangelist. What happens is an evangelist would come through shiny and and articulate and bright and and all the all the women that had issues, unresolved issues, you know, would eventually follow him. And and in his wake there'd be all kinds of affairs and sexual sins and not only that, the inappropriate use of money and, and inappropriate ways of taking up offerings. And and so Billy Graham sat with his team, he says, Evangelists all over the world have a bad bad name. How can we change that? And they come up with, they happened to be meeting in Bethesda, California, and they said, they said this is a, a manifesto. We're going to sign this. We're not only going to sign it, we're going to send it out to all evangelists all over the world and have them sign it. And the, the manifesto was this. We will not meet with someone from the opposite sex alone. Pretty hard to sin if that's your policy. And it went, it went further than that. Billy Graham decided that anytime he stays in a hotel when he's on the road, he said he'd always book two rooms. And his travel partner would be in the other room, and the adjoining door between these two rooms would always be open. No one could ever accuse me of meeting a woman in the night, coming in secretly to my room, because there's an open door. There's an adjoining room. Someone's in the other room. They can hear. They can see. It's never convenient. Having discretion will complicate your life. It can be even expensive. But it's better than the alternatives. It's better than the shame. It's better than the regret. It's better than the failures that can come by not having discretion. Discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you. It's not that you don't trust you. It almost implies like the... There's something wrong with you. Well, I don't trust me, number one. But I don't trust the devil. And I don't trust, people love gossip. They, they love, if they can find something bad about a Christian, they will. So you have to you have to factor that in. Like Billy Graham would go to all kinds of trouble. He said, I'll, uh, uh, when you pick me up at the airport, just get an ordinary sedan, just as plain and simple a car as possible. I don't want any of my Contributors to see in the newspaper some reporter taking a po- picture of me driving away in some expensive car. That's going to hurt our base. People are going to think I'm squandering money. He wouldn't even lean up against, a, in a showroom, lean up against a Rolls Royce or something like that, unless someone takes a picture and next thing you know, everyone said Billy Graham. It's just implied. So he'd have to go to great distances. Even when he tried, he did his best. I remember one time they took a picture of him and this young woman walking down the road, and here's this young blonde on his arm, and it's a a shot from behind. And it just kinda implies, here's Billy Graham walking down the road with a young girl on his arm. They didn't say it was his daughter, but it was. If they can wreck your reputation, they will. So, Billy Graham come up with all these rules, a page of rules in this manifesto, and they signed it. Do you have a manifesto? What are your rules? What are some of the things that you've decided in practical things? It could be every part of life. You know if you ever pick up a hitchhiker, we have them sit in the back seat. How we make sure that someone's with you? I mean. What are your rules? It could be anything, it could be simple things. For example, you don't go to Tops grocery shopping when you're hungry. <laughs> that you only go grocery shopping after dinner because your cart will look entirely different after dinner than before dinner. And that's, a, that's, that's part of your manifesto, my, my Tops manifesto, my grocery store manifesto. There's all kinds of manifestos, or all kinds of discretion, I should say. For example, um, it's very common that when people have a problem with the pastor, they go to some other member of the staff, they go to the secretary, or they go to one of the assistant pastors, and they complain about the pastor. Now, just so you know, this isn't happening, but it has happened. And they they can't face me, so they go, they go and they talk to somebody else, knowing that that'll somehow get to me, and, and uh, maybe I'll change my ways or whatever, change my opinion on something. But what if we have a manifesto? What if our discretion says, we're not going to let any daylight come between us? If you go to one of the pastors, they'll tell me, and they'll tell me that you told me. Or what if they stopped you and say, wait a minute, what did Pastor Penn say when you went to him with that problem? That'll stop you cold. It's a nice way, it's a, it's a question, but it's a nice way of saying you need to go to the person. If you've got a problem, you go to the person with the problem. You go to someone else, they can't, they can't solve it. It's a complete waste of time. You won't even get the satisfaction of being relieved of that issue because they can't do anything about it. All it will do is separate chief friends. It talks about that in Proverbs. It talks about gossip and talking about people behind their back. will separate friendships. So you've got to say, well, I'm not going to talk to other people about my issues with so-and-so because I'm going to go to them. That becomes your discretion. That'll save you a lot of heartache. It's not easy, but it's easier than any alternative you can come up with. You have to decide. You decide now. You decide in your youth. This is how I choose to live. It'll spare you. One time I called my assistant pastor when I was a a young guy sitting in the pew long before I was in the ministry. And I had an issue with the pastor. And so I called the assistant pastor and I, I told him what I thought. I told him what my concern was, what my problem was. And he listened, and that was the end of the conversation. I hung up, he hung up. Then all of a sudden, my phone rang, and it was the pastor saying, the assistant pastor just called me and told me you have a problem with me. What is it? Oh, I felt about this big. I mean, that was, it was so embarrassing to be caught so red-handed. But they decided that they weren't going to let any daylight come between them. They decided I maybe I was the first person who was caught but they decided that if someone complains about one or the other that they've got a place they got a plan in place and and that's what they're going to enact it's a good policy actually it stung when it happened to me but it's discretion discretion will preserve you discretion will keep you all through your business if you, you look at your business and you go, where's all the discretion built in? If this happens, this is what I've decided to do. I'm not gonna wait there to try to figure it out because you'll be so shocked sometimes by what people do and people say that you won't have a proper reaction. But you can decide now, well, it's not an issue. Decide, this is how I choose to live. One time when I was in business, I had an advertising agency. And I had a really good customer. I always paid well and bought lots of work. And uh, she was a young gal, younger than me. I was married. had three kids at the time. And she was a single gal. But she was a good customer. And I enjoyed being with her, enjoyed uh, doing business with her. And and we were friends as well as she was the customer. And And just as I was in the shop doing business and closing out a sale. She said, I just moved into, into the store and created a, a little apartment. Do you want to see it? And I said, sure, I, I like that kind of thing. I like when people renovate and do things like that. Well, I went into her apartment, no thought of anything, and then she began to disrobe. And I was shocked. I didn't see that coming. I, I, I froze. And I don't know, I can't even remember what I did or how I did it. I, it must have been, I must have looked so scared. I just backed away and said, I've got to go. I've got other appointments or whatever I said to try to get out of that, extract myself from that. And then when I got to the door, I found out she had locked me in. I didn't know that. It was a trap. It was set up. She planned that. I didn't know that. And I felt so dirty. I felt, I felt guilty. Even though in my heart, that was not in my heart. First thing I did is I, I found a phone, got to a phone booth. Back then, this is before cell phones. This is back in the 1900s. <laughs> got to a phone booth. I called my wife and said, here's what just happened. And she was so good about it. And I was trembling because it was so close. It was a close call. I just felt embarrassed, and then the second phone call, I called my pastor, so i just wanted I need to tell somebody this is what just happened, and part of it was I wanted to be right I wanted to be right with the Lord, and I just felt dirty, even though nothing happened, and it wasn 't in my heart. I was put in a situation but i i, I didn't have any real discretion for what you know, another plan, I could have said to one of the other staff, hey, we're going to go see the apartment, come on with us. I could have had discretion that set on the front end. I just don't, I'm never alone with a member of the opposite sex. Unless somehow it's open, uh, it's amity, or the, even the discipleship house, there's a sense where there's so much traffic, so much people coming and going, and the, the blinds are, we make sure the blinds are open, that the glicks can see. I mean, we just go to extra effort just to make sure that, no one can say that I've met the pastor alone, or if I have to meet someone and they're in my car, I'll do it in some other place, in a, in a very public place. I'll even go to the trouble of calling someone and say, I'm about to meet with so-and-so. And I want you to know that that's about to happen, just so that there's some kind of accountability. You think differently, you feel differently if you've taken some steps of discretion. We need to do that. remember I got a phone call from this gal and she said her mother just hated church and was railing against the church she used to go but she's railing against the church negative about everything and she said it just brings me down it's hard it's hard to take a phone call I don't know what to say and I said well just tell next time that happens that's discretion next time that happens here's what you do you just say mom I'm on a negativity fast I'm not listening to this I'm fasting, all negativity. I'm, not, I'm fasting criticism, complaining. Negati- I'm on a negativity fast. Please excuse me. <laughs> but you decide on the front end how you're going to respond. That'll, that'll save you. Discretion will preserve you. Understanding, knowing, knowing how things work, knowing how people are, that'll keep you. It's a powerful, powerful thing. These days, uh, many Christians drink. 20 years ago, you just hardly knew anybody who did drink. Now, I don't know hardly anybody who doesn't drink. And I'm not even against us. but I have, there's policies you should put in place. Uh, for example, hard liquor, there's no reason to drink hard liquor or martinis or some of those mixed drinks. They're intended to give you a buzz. They're, they're designed to give you a buzz. There's no reason for you to have that. You can say, I, I drink wine and the occasional beer, and you can, you can limit it to something like that, and I have it with meals and fellowship and friends, and that's, that's deciding on the front end, that hard liquor has no place in your life. There's no reason for it. You can decide things. I I happen to be reading the news, and and I noticed that the Archbishop of Canterbury. and I don't quote him very often. We're in, we don't see eye to eye on anything. He's he's the the highest. He's like the Pope of the Anglican Church. And I just happened to read a little article, and 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 it said that. Uh, he said, "I never drink alcohol when I'm alone." He's my dad was an alcoholic. And so I decided, it's a rule, it's a hard and fast rule, I never touch alcohol when I'm alone. So he has friends over, he has dinner with other people, he has wine, he has whatever, because he just doesn't want to ever be alone with alcohol. Because it's funny, you know, when you're alone, you eat differently, drink differently. But if someone else is there, you'll watch your portion. You'll watch, you might have one or two because there's a sense of accountability with them being present. You just treat it differently. So he decided, I'm not going to say never drink. I'm just going to say there's places where I don't drink. There's circumstances under which I don't drink. There's people who would be offended by my drinking, so therefore I won't be seen in certain places, I won't do it at certain times, or I'll make sure that I'm not doing it when I'm alone. Whatever your discretion, you have to decide that. One area, area of, of discretion that's important to me, we have so many young people, and uh, you just have to decide that it's gonna be inconvenient, it may look prudish, instead of prudent but just decide that you're not going to be caught being alone, even with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, in some way that it could ruin their reputation or yours. You have to decide. It's going to be inconvenient. It's inconvenient to arrange for a babysitter. Who's going to take the babysitter home? Well, I don't drive the babysitter alone. I don't take the babysitter now. I'm out of that league now, but that was one of the things we had to work through. It was always inconvenient, but it was better than the alternative. Young people, you have to have discretion. That's what this was written for. It's written for young people. How you relate to members of the opposite sex, there's things that you decide now that you won't do. We won't be alone. We'll meet with other people, we'll meet in a group, we'll meet in public, but we will not be alone where anything can get excited, and anything can happen. I, 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 remember, I remember working with some young people who were getting engaged or had become engaged and once they were engaged, it seems like they relaxed, and it seemed like their parents relaxed, in terms of accountability. Their parents weren't as quite as strict about it, because they're getting married. And then some just embarrassing things happened that took away their joy and took away their respect for each other, some close calls. And I, I thought, I remember saying, boy, even though you're engaged, you need discretion you need to decide i'm not going to let anything rob us of the joy of our coming together as husband and wife you have to decide that on the front end i remember sharing that with a, a young couple and just saying you know you're engaged now just you're going to have to redouble your efforts it's not that i don't trust you i don't trust the devil he will he will rob you of your joy and and even though other people may not even see it, you want Jesus to come to your wedding. You know, I'd, I'd just been reading where Jesus went to the wedding at Cana, and it must have been some family member, some relative, and he did uh, his first major sign. No one was saved as a result of it. No one was healed. No one was delivered as a result. It was just to honor the uh, the, the groom. That was the intent, the whole intent of that major sign, turning water into wine, was just to honor the bridegroom. And I thought, that's amazing. And I remember sharing that and saying, you want Jesus to come. You want Jesus to be the most honored guest at your wedding. You, you and I have been to enough weddings. You know the ones that are kind of flat line. There's real no joy in it. You're just thinking about what the food's going to be like rather than the wedding. Then there's other places, there's a buzz. There's a joy. You can just tell this is, this is the way weddings ought to be. You can't make that up. You can't create that ambiance. That comes when the Lord is honored. And he's honored in private. He's honored through the years. He's honored in how you treat each other. And then he comes on that day and he honors us. And you want that. You, you want that for your wedding. <clears throat> Amen? Discretion will keep you. Discretion will preserve you. It'll spare you a lot of heartache. You don't see the word discretion very often. It is in our society. It's in culture. Oftentimes on on the front end of a movie or or a, a crime scene or a murder, Uh, a thing will flash up on the screen and it'll say, Viewer discretion advised. And you see that. And what that's intended for is to give you a minute to realize you don't have to watch this. You can shut that off. And they have to post it, but viewer discretion advised. And you have to decide. You have to decide what the ratings of the movies you're going to watch, you have to decide. There's a lot of things you have to decide. You can decide whether to take your, just before you go to bed at night, you leave your phone in the living room or on the kitchen table. You don't take it to your bedroom. You don't take your laptop to bed. There's things that you decide on the front end that will just spare you a lot of grief. But no one can decide this for you. No pastor can come and Patrol, or no pastor can tell you what your discretion has to be. I've got to, I've got to manage my own discretion. What are your rules? What are your rules for living? What are your rules for counseling? What are your rules for, for, for managing business and managing life? Proverbs, amazing thing about Proverbs is it gives you hundreds of them. Hundreds of them he said, "If this happens, this is what you do. If you violate that you lose you 'll lose a close friend. If you violate that, you lose your good name that you 've worked so hard for. think of, Think of Governor Como here he wrote a, a book about himself, how great he was during the pandemic. imagine what he 's gone through in this past week or even even before this week, but this week, especially. Especially when, when the district attorney comes out and says, this this is what you've done. And it's in all the newspapers. He's got daughters. He's got family. We don't know what's gone through his head. But I, I've seen pastors. I, I've seen churches ruined. I've seen pastors removed. Not even for sexual sin. Just for indiscretion. Just Inappropriate things, inappropriate things said, inappropriate things done. And Como the whole list, the very damning list of things that that he did. He could say, I didn't do anything sexual. Or I didn't complete what I wanted to do. He didn't have to. It's just, a, it's just a total lack of good judgment. It's a total lack of discretion. So we we have to decide now. And this sermon I can I had this in my my notes is one of the things I wanted to bring. I can bring it today because there's no issue. I'm not putting, I'm not addressing anything that's happening. Except we got so many young people, so many young business people, so many up-and-coming preachers and pastors. Somebody has to build discretion into our into your life. It has to be you. Read the book of Proverbs. I challenge you to look at it afresh. Say, He's saying, this could happen, here's your plan, here's your exit plan, here's what what you decide on the front end. Do you want to live this way? Do you want pastors who live this way? It's a healthy way to live. It's not convenient, it looks old fashioned, it looks corny, it looks like rules. The difference is we're not putting a single rule on you. We're inviting you to walk in wisdom. We're inviting you to walk with discretion. Amen? Let's stand together.